Good Morning Liberty. Well, what is going on, all of our Liberty-loving friends? This is another fantastic episode of the Good Morning Liberty podcast. My name is Nathaniel Paul Thurston, and right across from me is Charles Chuck Thompson. And with us, very special guest today, CEO of Free to Choose Network, Rob Chatfield. Rob, how you doing today, man? Very good, Nate and Charlie. Always, always a pleasure to see you guys. Uh, we just love talking to you every time we get a chance. It's amazing. Rob, you know, I don't, do you go on a lot of podcasts or is this just like a, you know, it's I, just it's a thing with us? <laughs> you know, that's kind of a softball question right there of which my, your, your listeners and viewers will want to know this, that the last time I was on and you asked me this question, my, my marketing team says, you fool, you forgot to tell them about our podcast at Free to Choose Network. <laughs> there so. we go. That's yes. right. That's right. And we've, uh, we've talked about that before. When I first found out that you guys had a podcast, I don't know, how long has that podcast been going? Uh, um, a couple of years now, and it's the, um, uh, the, the concept behind it actually came from an old series of videos that our founder had done literally 30 and 40 years ago. And uh, the, those were called, uh, the, the uh, material comes from a place called the Idea Channel. And that Idea Channel was literally satellite television and video cassette mail order. That was what those videos were meant for way back before your time. It was before my time, guys, because I don't even remember this stuff. That's okay? awesome. <laughs> uh, but uh, uh, Bob Chittister, our founder, had this fantastic concept. And it was, why don't I just put two of the smartest people I can find in a room, turn on the cameras, turn on the microphone, and let it go. And, and what happens? What, what do those people actually talk about? What do incredibly brilliant people talk about between themselves? And that was the whole concept for the Idea Channel. Well, that sounds a lot like what we saw with Free to Choose uh, back in the day with Milton Friedman. He just put a lot of smart people in a room and, and let them talk it out. I was watching some the other day. And yeah, sometimes those conversations got pretty heated, actually. But it was always really interesting to listen to. It and yeah, Bob's idea on the Idea Channel was is uh, a classic. You know, back then people actually talked to each other, but rather than debate, it was put those leading scholars in the room and and what kind of discussion will they have? And a great example of this one: uh, Nobel laureate James Buchanan, fantastic economist. Walter Williams, fantastic economist. What do two great economists talk about when they get into a room? Well, the U.S. Constitution, of course. <laughs> right. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> um, what's interesting is we're having some of the same conversations today still oh, know, yeah. about some of the same things. Uh, so I just find that interesting that we've been talking, I don't know, probably forever about <laughs> yeah, the same, same exact stuff. things. You know, last How time, do we organize society? <laughs> last time you were on here, we talked about Common Sense and the Senseless World, the, the new Thomas Sowell film. And how I noticed it's got a lot of plays on on YouTube. It looks like it might be uh, the biggest video on the channel. Is that right? It, it is the number two video of all time on YouTube. So Thomas Sowell, if you if you do a YouTube search on Thomas Sowell, we've got 3.7 million views on YouTube alone. That's amazing. The reason it's not number one is just because after people watch the biography in the suggested box, other Thomas Sowell films come up. So we keep pushing the numbers higher for the competition. So the number one video now has about 4 million views, but it only had three and a half million when we started. So now it's amazing. I, I noticed I was with my family a couple weeks ago and we were sitting around looking for something to watch and I jumped on Amazon and I happened to notice that it was on Amazon as well. And then here I noticed the other day that uh, Suffer No Fools was on Amazon Prime as well. Is that a new thing or has it been on there, you know, ever since its release? 
We've had it on, and uh, I'll, I'll uh, bite my tongue on Amazon here for a moment with regards to any editorial comments there. <laughs> but the, the um, it, hey, listen, if people will watch it, Amazon will put it on. If Amazon can make a buck off of it, Amazon will put the thing on in general. And so the the Tom Sowell film, again, on Amazon in about a month's time frame, I think we've got over 100,000 views from there. But a lot of our other views uh, videos are available through Amazon Prime. It's been a good channel for us and a good destination for viewers who are already paying for that service. Yeah, I was actually I was very surprised to see it on there. That's not normally the content that I run across on there. But now that I watch that and I watch stuff for No Fools, now I see all kinds of things popping up on there that I had no idea were on It's Amazon. amazing what they'll recommend to you after you start watching great videos like ours also. Yeah, those, so, those algorithms. Man. Yeah, I know. Those, <laughs> the algorithms run everything. I would recommend everyone to look it up on Amazon, to pull it up and put it on your watch list. And you'll be surprised all the things that are going to pop up on your suggested videos after you do that so in fact you can watch a three-hour series on the constitution that we put out and be just like james buchanan and walter williams <laughs> wow <laughs> uh, now you mentioned uh you mentioned the ideas channel um what are you doing something new with the ideas channel a new thing going on with that we're hoping to uh, this year especially last year uh we had wanted to relaunch that series there's just a lot of great people we want to capture on video before it's too late and the uh, the real kick in the butt for this one came when Walter Williams died. Unfortunately, we had planned to shoot film with Walter this past summer, but with COVID, we, we couldn't get a film crew and people together in order to be able to film the uh, the, the participants. So it's just a terrible thing. And we realized, you know, we we don't have time. It's not like we can just sit there and say, oh, we'll wait up, you know, a couple more years before we get that person on film. The time to try to do that stuff's now. And who do we put these people in with? Walter loved this. In fact, Walter will tell you of all the things he did on video, that one idea channel with him and Jim Buchanan on the Constitution, he thought was the most important video content he'd ever done. And so we wanted to be able to match Walter up with some other young guns because we think that's going to be the real interesting thing is finding somebody who's a Nobel laureate, for example, talking to somebody who's an up and comer so that 40 years from now, people can go, wow, I can't believe they got those two on video together. Yeah, that would be awesome. You know, it's kind of like a, you know, it's it. you wouldn't think that people these days have a lot of attention span for things like that. But then you think about things like the Joe Rogan podcast where people talk for three hours at a time. And this right. whole this whole thing just kind of sounds like a sounds like a Joe Rogan podcast only for uh, really good ideas consistently. All, right. all the yeah, time. the key is it's not an interview format. And that's what we try to make sure of. It's a, it's a conversational format between two people. At least those are the best ones that we've done. You know, we do have interview ones on there. We do have soliloquies. We got one person shows, if you will. But we found the real formula for that idea channel was get those two people in the room, get them talking as equals, not as an interview situation. I like what Joe did. I mean, John Mackey was on there. They had a great conversation. But if you had your choice, who would you really want to hear? John Mackey speak with, right? Yeah. You know, you would have wanted to have John Mackey on for an hour with Milton Friedman. You, right. you know, you, those are the kinds of people we want to try to capture together. Now, do you guys have a, like what you did with Walter Williams and what you did with Thomas Sowell? Is there one for Milton Friedman on that that I, that I haven't seen? Or is, uh, you know, like a, a documentary style film? Um, yeah, uh, the, the Power of Choice is okay. the Milton Friedman documentary. And it uh, features Milton Rose Friedman. And it's a, it's another good classic. So you can put that down. But yeah, yeah, we're hoping to relaunch this idea channel. And what we found is it's funny, the video versions, and you can go onto our website, by the way, at free to choose network.org. 
and there's a button up on the top that says media. And if you click that button, it'll show you where all the broadcast programs are and where the, all the idea channel programs are. So key there for your listeners and viewers. But, you know, the in terms of what we would hope to do with this here, the videos are retro cool because they're 30, 40 years old. So you get to see, you know, what Charles Murray looked like when he was young, like, you know, all sorts of these fantastic voices, what they, you know, what they looked like when they were younger. What we've noticed, though, is uh, that has a, a, a retro cool view, but the audio to this makes for an incredible podcast at a time when podcasts didn't even exist when we did this. So we hope it, it, it can serve two purposes. One, that wonderful video archive that people can go back to and go, I can't believe he wore that tie. <laughs> and two, you know, this fantastic current uh, audio component that we can put out for podcasts. Yeah. And that's so cool. And that's what we're seeing nowadays is, is that shift towards uh, away from interviews really into conversations because mm -hmm. you'll notice that. I, I don't know if you know, uh, maybe some newer uh, intellectual people that we're talking about something a little bit different, but I remember uh, Jordan Peterson and Sam Harris had this massive intellectual discussion about facts versus values, like this deep philosophical right. question mm -hmm. um, that you would think no one would want to pay attention to it's, but they sold out a 12,000-person 12 12, theater three nights in a row. Mm -hmm. Right. And mm -hmm. they got millions and millions of views. And so there's a market for this. There's a market for these types of discussions where maybe people aren't as stupid as we always thought they were, or is at least <laughs> at least network television thought they were with the 20-minute sitcoms and all of that. Maybe people do want to have these deep economical and philosophical and, and, and life-changing discussions or at least listen to the smartest people in the room talk about those things. And so that I, I think what you guys are doing is so, so awesome. I'm excited. Charlie, you, you bring up a great point, which I can back up with data. We had done this free to choose in two minutes where we took all the original episodes and we're like, we're just going to give the two minute cliff note version, hoping that people would find and discover those two minute videos and say, Oh, I want to know more. As it turns out, our video views are 10 times higher on the one hour episodes than they are on the two minute videos. Wow. The people have, they have that short attention span is only to capture someone's attention. I think we've talked about that before. If you can capture them within two minutes, they'll stay with you for an hour. Oh yeah, that's true. And I, that's actually really surprising. When I saw that you guys were doing the two minute things from free to choose, I was like, Oh, this is going to be, this is going to be really huge. This is going to, this is just going to blow up this message once again. And that's really interesting to know that people are still more interested in the longer conversations. That's actually good to know. That's a, right. that's a good thing. Well, and, and what Rob said is so important is you have to capture their attention quickly. Yeah. You know, like yeah. on TikTok, they're only minute, minute long or whatever, but you have to get them in the first few seconds. But if you do, they'll watch your video over and over and over again, because it's either that good or that funny or that interesting. Uh, shoot. We talked about this before. I think Game of Thrones was a, 60 hour movie or whatever, <laughs> mm -hmm. you know, and right. people can't get enough. Like once you watch that first episode, you're like, Oh my God, I can't wait to see what happens next. And so these types of discussions, these deep philosophical questions that are making people question things. Well, maybe I didn't know that about this, or maybe that, maybe I never thought of it this way or whatever. Then they mm -hmm. want to know more. You get that curiosity going and they can't get enough. You, you That's know, how you I feel. I can't get enough. Charlie, you brought up Game of Thrones, and that's something, again, it's, it, I can't say it's a sneak preview because I don't have the funding for this, but maybe through your <laughs> podcast, we're going to figure this one that's out. Right. Yeah. You know, I, 
I say the same thing, like the Vikings series, man. You, I learned more about the Vikings from that than I ever did when I was going to school. Mm-hmm. That was just so, so much fun. And what are some more types of series that people would actually just tune in for to find out? And, you know, there was enough around the, the, the Revolutionary War or the Civil War. There's enough blood and guts there and, uh, you know, relationship bashing, et cetera, that you, you could do a lot with that kind of stuff. I, I think that people would watch a whole series just essentially on that libertarian thought. And yeah, a lot of, what Hamilton the musical mm-hmm. um, yeah you have a lot of things I, I think one important thing to do is to not make it so obvious the idea that you're trying to push but a lot of times you see that there's a there's what would it be subliminal messaging that's behind a, a TV show or a movie something that you take this overarching theme after you watch this and maybe that molds your mind a little bit. I think a lot of times that's been going kind of in the wrong direction. You know, one thing that I noticed when I was thinking about a little bit ago is that every movie I watched when I was growing up, the evil people in it were always the capitalist business owners. That's always the villain in in every single story. And I think that that maybe molds your mind over time, just thinking that that's the case. But if you wanted to do something that maybe it wasn't we have to push freedom, liberty, uh, these ideas, but you showed it through a story how important those things were and it didn't feel like you were being, I don't know, uh, from the from the standpoint of someone else who didn't think that way, you weren't being indoctrinated towards that or you weren't being manipulated, but you came away with those, with those ideas and that story. Uh, I think that would be a really good thing for people to do. Yeah, you start with the characters, you start with a basic premise and work from there because, hey, the, most people... Uh, as I said, especially in your age bracket, because you're slightly younger than I am, I'll admit to that. Uh, <laughs> it, you know, South Park was where they got most of their information, if you will, about you know essentially freedom of expression, that kind of thought process. You know, but the, that wasn't what the program was about. The program was about a bunch of you know young kids essentially with foul mouths and what they do when their parents aren't around. Yeah. So mm-hmm. <laughs> we need. Uh, they talk about all kinds of stuff on South Park. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to cut in here and tell you about our sponsor, BetterHelp. You've heard us talk about them before. It's Charlie's favorite app, BetterHelp. You can go to BetterHelp.com or you can download the app. BetterHelp is this great app that pairs you with a licensed therapist. So it's therapy over your phone. All right. If you are having a tough time getting by right now, maybe you're dealing with anxiety. Maybe you're just not as happy as you think you should be. Maybe you're not finding the meaning in life, you know, we talk about life, liberty, and the pursuit of meaning. Maybe you're not finding that meaning in your life that you think that you should be. If you're dealing with anxiety, with depression, with relationship problems, BetterHelp has got a licensed therapist for you. It's super simple. You just go to the website, betterhelp.com GML, and that's going to give you 10% off your first month, by the way. So you go to betterhelp.com GML, you make an account, they ask you some questions about yourself, some preferential questions, and they're going to pair you with a therapist that they think will work best for you. If you don't want that therapist, that's fine. You just pick another one, okay? It's safe. It's secure. It's a way to actually talk to a therapist without having to go into the office much cheaper than going into the office, by the way. Listen, taking care of your brain, of your mental health, is super important. I don't know if you know this, but your brain controls everything that you do. Okay, so maybe it would help you to be talking to someone about it. You can message through the app. You can do video call. You can do voice calls. All kinds of stuff with the BetterHelp app. 
So go get that app. Make sure you sign up through betterhelp.com slash GML to get that 10% off your first month. You tell them we said, hey. We were talking, we talked about South Park a lot lately. I'm so surprised that, one, that it's still able to be on TV. I'm actually surprised yeah. that Comedy Central still runs things like their pandemic specials and and, and all that from been South canceled. Park. <laughs> yeah, that they haven't been canceled yet. Knowing what the political leanings of the creators of South Park are, I know that they're, they're pretty libertarian. And yeah. um, I've, I've been so surprised that it stayed on air and that our generation that grew up on South park is so uh, is just so bothered by the the smallest things so offended by the smallest things when we grew up watching south park and the mm -hmm. simpsons and and family guy and th th it doesn't make any sense to me i don't know if it had the opposite effect or what yeah i saw the greatest video um i actually saved it i meant to send this to you on tiktok and i don't know if you're on tiktok yet or not rob but there, I, I have i have teenagers so i yeah. they uh, well, I, I, I can find it i was gonna tell you before you go into that charlie i i mean I know that the shorter videos don't do quite as well as the longer things on YouTube, but I just know from posting a few things from Thomas Sowell and Milton Friedman that those things do pop to 50, 100, 200,000 views within the first couple days. And um, that's been, I think, free to choose on TikTok is a, is a big market for some, for some younger mm -hmm. generation there, for sure. So anyway, Charlie, your story. Well, I saw this interesting <laughs> video on TikTok where this, uh, it was a st uh, stitch, by the way. So one guy started off the video by saying that we shouldn't call, you know, like third world countries like undeveloped or underdeveloped or whatever. He was given all this political correctness talk and somebody from Colombia stitched that video and he goes, dude, we don't care what you call us underdeveloped, <laughs> what not developed, whatever. He's like, I just started a small print business. And what I really want is for you to buy my stuff. I don't care what you call me. So that was a cool free market example of, you know, all of this uh, political talk or whatever, the political correctness of, you know, we shouldn't say this word or that word or call them these underdeveloped nations. The people that in those nations don't care. They, they yeah. want to be free. They want to be free to choose. They want to be free <laughs> to have their business and they want to be able to sell on the marketplace. They don't care what you call them. They just want to, they just want to be free. And I thought that was really cool. I was going to circle back to South Park for a second, just because, you know, I, it, with regards to this concept of new material for the idea channel, because I'm on here because you guys give me good material, by the way, you know, <laughs> what, what, who would you want to see those guys talk with, for example, that's the kind of stuff we're looking for that might capture that next generation for an idea channel. Oh yeah. Like, uh, Matt, Matt, uh, Trey Parker and Matt Stone. Right? Yeah. Trey Parker, Matt Stone. Yeah. If you could yeah. have Matt Stone or Trey Parker speaking with somebody, who would you want that to be? Oh man. Like someone that they agree with or disagree with. It was, well, I said, the whole point is conversational. You just put two really smart people in the room and let them go. And so I, it, it, for the most part, whenever we had two people in the room, they weren't diametrically opposed to each other. We weren't looking for that debate thing. Again, as I said, you'd find if you just get the two people in the room talking, that's where you're going to get a lot of good ideas that come out of. Yeah, I have to uh, I have to think on that. I would love to hear those two talk about their ideas in the first place. I really haven't heard them do a lot of interviews um, about anything, and maybe that's kind of smart on their part. They're still able to uh, not be canceled on, the, on all of the <laughs> yeah. things uh -huh. that they're yeah. that they're running on. But any mm -hmm. of the the intellectual people that we that we still listen to today. I mean, I know. 
I know uh, Tom Thomas Soul, you know, is not. I don't. I don't see him doing a ton of interviews anymore. But I. I right. would love to see more from him for sure. I'd love to see them sit down. I'd love to see anyone sit down and talk with Jordan Peterson about the meaning of life and uh, about freedom and individual responsibility because I think he's great at going really deep into those conversations. You said someone who's really smart, and that has unfortunately knocked a lot of. Uh, diametrically opposed people <laughs> off of the list because at first I was like, oh, it'd be fun to see uh, uh, mm-hmm. Trey Parker sit down with AOC and, and just kind of hash things out, you know, but yeah. I don't know that yeah. that would go very well. Yeah. And uh, I don't know if that fits the criteria. Mm-hmm. I have to think, actually, that's Or people good... like Vince Vaughn and uh, Penn Teller. Yeah. Some other... As I said, yeah, you could work with some entertainers who were at the top of their field there. And then, as I said, and the funny part is, and this goes back to, again, the genius of these things here, put them in the room with a Nobel laureate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, whereas I said, you might have somebody because these these people are they're they're smart. They can carry on that conversation with somebody who's who's well decorated, if you will, in some type of thing. The other thing we try to do with the idea channel was it wasn't always about economists, free market people, et cetera. You'd go and you try to find, you know, hey, who's a great scientist? Who's somebody who you might learn something from uh, that you didn't necessarily think, but whose viewpoints end up supporting that whole concept of free inquiry really yeah even I, someone like elon musk who uh, sounds very libertarian sometimes that would be great yeah, yeah. I, i've heard a, a lot of good conversations with neil degrasse tyson uh mm-hmm. there's a there's a guy named i don't know if you've heard of him named brian cox that's on um yep. that's on joe rogan a lot and actually anytime i see something with him i go and listen to it um just any of those people who are willing to actually have a conversation about something and not turn it into a a vicious name calling debate but are are willing to entertain ideas from people or at least mm-hmm. defend their ideas uh, through actual thought and conversation and not mm-hmm. and and not just snarky name calling back and forth that's a really good idea and we're going to I'm I'm asking uh we're going to ask some of the people listening live right now who they Absolutely. think people like that should uh, should listen to now, one thing I who, saw who is who would be our up and coming, you know, you know, Milton Freeman. Or I Thomas know. I think Sowell. we talked like, about that last who's time. Who's our Nobel laureate uh, contender mm-hmm. the, in the, um, on the free market uh, side of economics? So there is a, a John Bates Clark medal given every other year to an up and coming 40 year old or under economist. And if you look through the winners of the John Bates Clark medal, oftentimes they'll go on to become Nobel laureates. So if you're mm-hmm. looking for a short list of people who you might consider, the problem, of course, is, is if you look at the material and the stuff that they're working on, it's not Milton Friedman-esque, if you will. Uh, you know, Milton had that just unique ability to be able to take those grandiose ideas from academia and bring them right to the average person. And, and that, as I said, to, to, to try to find that next person is really difficult. Yeah. We had tried with, uh, you'll notice we use Joan Norberg for a lot of our film projects. Mm-hmm. Joan's very good with the camera like that, just in terms of being able to talk to the camera and talk to humanity, if you will, in terms of that prospect. But, you know, Joan's not going to become a Nobel laureate. He, now, that's that's not where he's at. Now, yeah. he's behind. Uh, is that human progress? Is that is that right? Or does he do things on that? He, I was going to say, so Marion Tupi out of Cato is the one who's leading that. But we are actually, here's a sneak preview for your people also, uh, October 21st this year, we will release a new video blog with Joe and Norberg essentially talking about human progress. Nice. And Joe and we hope is going to recapture that word progress for the good people, the capitalists, because all progress really has come from that capitalist system. Yeah. 
Well, I mean, that's one thing that people just don't realize is how much progress humanity has actually made over time, how much better things are right now than they were 100 years ago, 200 years ago. I mean, listening to it was the name of the book Progress. Is that what, is that yeah. what it was called? Mm-hmm. I you mean, book Progress. Yep. Yeah, that it was a great book. And just one thing I'd never thought about was just how terrible everything had to smell a couple hundred years ago <laughs> when there wasn't any when there wasn't any plumbing. Or but you like even that. have, you know, I would say some younger minds uh, that I would like to listen to, too, to get together. Um, Absolutely. You even have like Steven Pinker and Jonathan mm-hmm. Haidt. And some yes. of these other uh, enlightenment type thinkers uh, who also, um, I mean, uh, Stephen Pinker wrote a book similar to progress about how much better life is now, uh, despite the problems that everybody thinks that we have. Um, so even those types of, of, you know, I guess you would call them newer age thinkers. Yeah. Uh, even though I think Stephen Pinker's uh, decently older. Um, yeah. But you he, have, is a, he is a good friend of Tom Soul's, by the way. Yeah. And isn't that, in, isn't that awesome? And, and um, so uh, he, he was high on our list, by the way, of, of, of people we wanted to film for Idea Channel. I'm glad we're on the same wavelength there. Joe, by the way, has another book out now called Open. I was searching valiantly to see if I could uh, 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 pull it from the bottom shelf of my uh, a bookshelf down here to show you the cover of it. But uh, his book Open, essentially on that same uh, continuing thing here, you know, human progress is is attained when people are open to ideas open borders, open concepts, free trade, all that stuff is what leads to progress. The story of human progress. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I, I would I would like to hear, I haven't heard anything from him recently, and I'm sure he's been talking about it, but all the talk about the human progress and the poverty rates around, around the world continuing to go down, and then what we've done to those rates over the last year, um, I, I would love to hear his, his thoughts on that because what, what we've done with the amount of people who are going to be in hunger and the percentage of those people that are going to starve to death or, or deal with malnutrition and diseases that go along with that, we've really, we, we're still, if you look at a hundred year time horizon, we're still on an uptrend for sure for, for human progress or a downtrend for poverty, uh, over the last hundred years. But in the last year, we have really set that back a lot. And if you want to go back 30 or 40 years on the idea channel, you can find Norman Borlaug. And if he's unfamiliar to your viewers or listeners, Norman Borlaug essentially is the person who figured out how to do high yield crops. And so it's a great interview with Norman Borlaug. And then Julian Simon, another name from the past. that's just not familiar to many of your viewers or listeners. I'm sure Julian Simon once did this thing. It was a famous bet that he made with another economist who said it's all doom and gloom. And Julian Simon says, I, I will bet you with regards to that there will be more, that will be in a bigger abundance. It's not going to be the scarcity and we're going to run out of natural resources. And if you look up the Simon bet or go online and find our idea channel discussion with Julian Simon, I think people will, again, Charlie and Nate, we've been talking about the same stuff for 40, 50 years. We've had the right answers. I don't know why people don't continue to just follow along the path of the right answer. Isn't that interesting? You know, I was just thinking like, as we're having this conversation, I have all these endorphins going and I'm a very optimistic person. So I'm like, Oh man, these types of conversation give me so much hope. Like we're everything. We we're getting these ideas out there. This is all going good. But the other day, Nate and I read this story and that, you know, if you were to ask our podcast members, I was, I couldn't talk. I was dumbfounded. I just couldn't believe that we were there. And I was sitting, I was like, so being so pessimistic, pessimistic about everything. And then we have these types of conversations and I get so hopeful and, you know, we've been talking about these ideas forever, but what you just said is like, how, how can we have these ideas? How do we, 
um, no, essentially know all of these things. And then yet it's still such a battle. What I can't put my finger on that quite yet. I mean, I know everyone's different, obviously, but I, I can't quite put my finger on. We've seen, we have the evidence, so to speak now. Mm-hmm. Uh, why are we not using that evidence uh, or, or why are people fighting against that type of evidence uh, in, in the, in our direction forward, our path forward? I would opine that it's because you, me and Nate are rational thinkers who are swayed by evidence. <laughs> mm-hmm. and, and there are others who run on pure emotion mm-hmm. and they've already made their mind up and they go search for those facts. That's a Jonathan Haidt theory, by the way, you know, mm-hmm. Hey, you, you go out and you search for the facts and the stories that already confirm what your bias is on something. And I, I think that the uh, Thomas soul puts this really well, you know, the left view of how the world should be, is really a lot more attractive than how the rights view. Mm-hmm. You know, the rights view is this competition, survival of the fittest. It's still going to lift all tide. The, the, the rising tide is going to lift all the boats. But boy, it's going to hurt a lot of people. Whereas the left vision of we're all equal. Everybody's going to get along. Everybody's, it's, it's a wonderful vision. Now, it just so happens it's not true. It doesn't work. <laughs> Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. It's a, I feel like we have plenty of evidence that that idea doesn't work. But of course, it's always time to try real socialism or try real communism, something like that, because (laughs) it's just never, it's just never the right, never the right style of communism or socialism. And so we need to go down that road. Because the three of us weren't in charge of it. That's yeah. why. You know, if you just if the three yeah, of us exactly. were in charge, it would be the right communism. So we always talk about this being the most humble podcast, Rob, and you're just fitting right in with yeah, us, you know. We, I mean <laughs> we were the dictators. Exactly. And everything would be fine. Yeah. Um, I actually you kind of see this in jury trials too, by the way. Yeah. You know, you see people get if you have a really good lawyer that can tell a really good story and get somebody convicted on circumstantial evidence or circumstantial uh, you know, uh, story without mm-hmm. any hard physical evidence or whatever. You see that happen all the time. Oh, the too, best so. lawyer is the one that can tell the best story. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That, that, really convincing um, arguments. Now, speaking of continuing to have the same conversations for all this time, you guys just put out a speech from Thomas Sowell uh, that was from 1980, right? Yes. And so we're, we're 41 years removed from this speech. And when I listened to it, I was like, man, this is the most perfect speech for our time going on right now that that I've heard in a, in a long time because he's talking about the the racial inequality issues. He's talking about the government trying to help people and actually ending ending up hurting people. And it's so crazy how forty one years ago he gave a speech that you could give right now and you would barely need to change any words in it whatsoever, and it still applies to our time right now. Uh, even the part where he says that Milton Friedman's going to appear tomorrow, but that, you know, you can't really debate the guy and yeah. win. Yeah. You still can't 40 years after the fact debate Milton Friedman and win most of the time. Yeah, there's things that have changed. But I, I think the, uh, the, uh, the by the way, the what uh, Charlie's referring, I'm sorry, what Nate's referring to there was called the Fairmount Conference. Uh, it was held in uh, San Francisco, I believe, in 1980, and it was really one of the first gatherings of, uh, I don't like to use this phrase, but somebody else will use it without me, you know, a gathering of black conservatives and other leaders with regards to, my gosh, these policies from the uh, uh, 1960s and early 1970s have been destroying the inner cities. What should we do about this stuff? And again, 40 years later, you see that they have the right answers, 
and they weren't implemented because somebody else had this great idea of, oh, let me try this next. I'm just, we're going to try one more thing. Which one more thing? We've got we've got the idea now. Walter Williams used to keep a running tab of how much it would cost to lift everybody out of poverty by just giving them the money versus how much money we spend trying to uh, uh, eliminate poverty in the United States. And of course, the amount spent was way more than the amount if you just would have given the people the money and said, there, we're done. Mm. So well, that's because poverty is a revolving door, though. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> yeah. a, you know, like like home, homelessness, you know, you have all this talk about Bezos. And, uh, you know, if I if I were Bezos, I'd be Superman and be a hero and solve homelessness and mm-hmm. child hunger. And it's like, well, you know, yeah, there's an average of about a half a million people who are homeless in the United States, but that changes all the time. They're not the same people. They're not the same people. Some people come out, then new people come in or whatever. So even if you were just to give them the money, it doesn't, it doesn't do it. But, but speaking of that, that kind of leads to the next, uh, a good question here. A good, a good discussion, which is, um, you know, we, we know, uh, if you do the math, we've extracted the, the, the federal government has extracted roughly a hundred trillion dollars out of, of production money of productive money over the years. And so what, what do you think? To what extent have the policies that we've enacted contributed contributed to the problems uh, of our time? It's mostly the fact that it's an expansion of government and people looking to government for the solutions. And I think the um, uh, it, again, I'm going to couch my words here. I, I rarely do that, but you know, for you, for you guys, I want to make sure I don't uh, you know get, get your program on the news for all of the wrong reasons. But, <laughs> I will take any pub. <laughs> take a look at what happened with regards to when the pandemic first hit and who did people look for for the solution? And again, we all, the three of us knew where the solution was going to come from. Mm-hmm. It was going to come when somebody came up with a good vaccine. It was going to come with, as I said, some common sense. It, but people went straight to, oh my gosh, we got to go to the government. What's the government say? You know, and you get the government out there, you should not wear a mask unless you have the disease because it does you no good. And then three weeks later, oh, you've got to wear a mask. And now Fauci's walking around with like seven masks on. I don't know how like, I can breathe anymore trying to tell people this is what's really going to stop this. Yeah. When, when again, as I said, it, most of us realized going back to that great cruise ship analogy we, we, we uh, talk about with the, the COVID thing. Hey, some people were never going to get the virus. Most people were never going to die from it. What could you do? And, and let the people decide what was in the best path for themselves. All that money, Charlie, even if, even if it all went for good intentions, the real problem was that it got people thinking that, oh, as long as we pooled all of our money and let somebody else, the government handle it, things will be better. That, well, that's what's And failed. the hardest part is, is we don't know what could, what could be. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. that's the hardest story to tell because we don't know what would have been mm-hmm. had that it, we don't know what the unseen is right right and that's the hardest part to sell about this be, message be, because i'm not you know i'm not the oh my gosh government does everything bad you know hey we got the internet you know we got oh, there's all sorts of stuff that were joint ventures often between government and private industry that have seemed to pay dividends for a lot of us and so again as i said it, you know what was it's not all a complete loss but by golly as i said that concept of oh we need government to solve it for us first that, that's where we've lost. I even had my fiance, Stephanie, who's a nurse, um, get really upset during this time period because uh, obviously she's an, and she's an ER nurse. So, uh, mm-hmm. you know, when they ran out of PPE and then the CDC went and said, uh, it's okay to use bandanas, order bandanas. And she's like, what the hell? 
bandanas are you kidding me i'm gonna wear a bandana to work like that's mm-hmm. gonna do anything she's like i'm supposed to have an n95 that's fitted to my face so that nothing can come in and out and these people are supposed to be in negative pressure rooms uh negative airflow rooms or whatever and then they like changed they just kept changing the rules and i think I mean, I don't know if she had a bunch of trust in government to begin with, but I think she really lost almost all of it at that point, yeah. which is great. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, it's it good for our relationship too. I, I, I think we see that. We see this good, you know, my gosh, you know, if, if you were a parent beforehand and you thought that, uh, uh, you know what, there was a lot of teachers that might be on your side, but the teachers union certainly wasn't. Mm, uh, no. You know, remote learning worked for almost nobody. The, the the teachers unions are one of my biggest boiling po- points of anger. Now, my, my mom's been, was a teacher for 25 years and she's about to go back to teaching and she did not like the union really w- whatsoever either. And all I, I feel like it has to be clearly obvious to everyone that the teachers union is out for the teachers union and they have nothing to do with whether or not the kids are learning whether or not they're going to have better lives whatsoever that they're out for the teachers union and then maybe the teachers and some of that is supposed to help the kids because that whole system is supposed to be designed to help the children learn more and have better lives but that is a distant tenth to all of the other things that they actually care about and i hope Uh, that's been brought to, to light the solution obviously is for eight year olds to start paying union dues because then <laughs> yeah that'll fix that's the problem the, that's the problem <laughs> um you know sorry son i was gonna give you some lunch money today but you gotta pay your dues <laughs> <laughs> well that pay you gotta pay your union tax uh, that'll take care of everything then they'll look out for you yeah. um you know that back on this thomas soul speech which i'm gonna put a i'm gonna put a link to it in the show notes because i think it's very important i was actually um like I said, it really, it really hit me hard when I listened to it. One, because it was, it's 40 years old and it fits right now. And it's exactly what people need to hear. I consider that a type of a roadmap for how we need to think about things uh, because he, he, he started, he went down this path of addressing the fact that there is a problem, that there are higher crime rates in minority communities, that there are, uh, you know, that there's worse poverty in minority, that there's more unemployment. And he did this thing that I've always thought was really interesting, was almost going through, you know, the first step is admitting that you have a problem. That's the first thing (laughs) that you have to do. And he started with that. He said, there are problems in this community. And then he said, but we need to have an honest conversation about whether or not the policies that we're, are enacting are actually helping or they're actually hurting people. And it, he goes down the roadmap of talking about uh, whether or not affirmative action you know, just sounds better than equal opportunity. Does it actually help? Um, if you have rent control, will, will there be more housing or will there be less housing for people? Um, if you have higher wages and, and higher minimum wage, does that mean that people are going to have better paying jobs or that there's not going to be any jobs with with no pay? And he, he does this thing like what you were mentioning with Milton Friedman, where he's this insanely smart person uh, who can definitely hold his own in any conversation, but he brings it home to where everyone can understand uh, exactly what it is, the point that he's trying to get across. And I just thought I really loved the conversation, so I couldn't recommend enough that people go listen to it. Yeah, and it's the uh, we actually have the video, by the way. If people go online, as I said, they can listen to the podcast or we have it. They can watch. We did an animation so that people can watch it on YouTube. There, as I said, you know, the animation's really nice. I'm really happy with what they did there. 
Uh, you guys get, of course, the backside secret story, which is the video is just about unusable because it was 1980. Everybody smoked cigarettes. All you can see is cigarette smoke wow. throughout the entire place. So there's you couldn't identify who anybody was if you tried. So back before the Surgeon General's warning, obviously. Yeah, yeah. before they they warned. No, there's another really good. You put up a clip, um, a minute long clip from the video that was just amazing, where he talks about. Uh, actually, you know what? Would you mind if I played part of the clip on here? Go, go right ahead. That yeah. would be, I think, really cool for people to hear. Uh, let's see. But since the government uh, is not generating any wealth, government programs mean nothing more or less than robbing Peter to pay Paul. Now, uh, there's no political capital to be made by robbing Peter to pay Paul if you get Peter's vote and lose Paul's vote. The real trick is to rob Peter to pay Paul on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, and rob Paul to pay Peter on Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday. <laughs> Fortunately, the government is closed on Sunday. <laughs> I mean, just true Thomas Sowell fashion right there. Mm -hmm. I, yeah. mean, <laughs> That's I so love good. it. There were so many jokes inside of that speech that I feel like went over the top of people's heads, actually, where I think he... <laughs> right. It, I didn't understand why people weren't laughing when he said certain things because I could tell that they were supposed to be jokes. And I think he was also a little surprised. But man, I, the way that he talks about things, I just I don't know if it'll ever be matched. I, I, I think that they're they're dumbfounded that he's saying this stuff to the point where they realize, oh, my gosh, that's hilarious. But it's so true. Yeah, right. right. Funny yeah. because it's true. It's yeah. one of those. <laughs> but it's almost so serious and so true that you don't feel like you should laugh at right, it. Right. Right. You know, right. because these things are very very serious problems you bring up a good point of like the unintended consequences i i was talking uh, to my dad you know back when trump did the uh the price control on insulin or signed the executive order mm -hmm. or whatever and my dad's diabetic and so you know initially um maybe not him but some people close to me were excited about that and i was like yeah okay there is a problem insulin's way too expensive i'll give you that there's a problem but if you put a price control on insulin what happens if all your other medicines go up uh, per month that you take. And then you're actually paying more out of pocket. Like the unintended consequences. I know Milton Friedman talked about this a lot. Thomas Sowell as well. The, all these unintended consequences, people think we have a lot of problems in society, right? And people think that they can fix these complicated problems. And Jordan Peterson said, what are you going to do? You're like a monkey with a wrench uh, trying to fix a, a, a helicopter and you don't know it damn thing about a helicopter. What are you going to do? <laughs> Whack it, you know? And so people try to fix these problems. And I think they, I think I really do think most people set out with noble goals, so to speak. And, they, you know, we, we do have these problems of healthcare being too expensive and poverty and all this stuff that people have been disease and whatever that humans have faced forever. And I think people generally genuinely do uh, come at those problems with actually trying to solve them, but they never think about all the unintended consequences. And I think you have a few people, um, you know, Milton Friedman, Thomas Sowell, and and the thinkers like that of these these high echelon Nobel laureate thinkers um, that do think, okay, if we implement this, what happens, you know, 100 years from now, where everybody's, as you said, when, when you're thinking on emotions, you're just like, okay, what's happening right now? You know, I need gas. I don't have $20. That person has $20. They should give it to me so I can get gas, you know, <laughs> not not knowing what would, what's going to happen 50 years from now. 
I, uh, 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 two things ran into my mind quickly on that one, which is a great quote. And I, I'm, I'm going to butcher this one because I can't remember who said it, but it was the, I'd rather be ruled by the first 2000 names in the Boston phone book than by the faculty at Harvard University. <laughs> you know, just because people are really experts on a topic also, and they might have the best intentions, doesn't mean that they're going to be able to have, you know, the grand fix, if you will. But because they're smart, because they think, oh, if we just try this, because I'm smarter than everybody else here, I want to try my idea because it can work. The issue is, is when your idea doesn't work, how do you pay the consequence? Mm-hmm. And most most of these decisions being made, there's no consequence to be paid if you're wrong. At all. That's uh, that they don't even get voted out anymore. <laughs> Thomas Sowell had some great quotes on on uh, you know the the people making decisions not having to actually bear the consequences of their of their decisions. I don't remember exactly what it was, but it was one of my favorite ones from him. And yeah. he had a lot of great quotes. Has a lot of great quotes about intellectuals as well. We just talked about this yesterday. I it's amazing how people that are so smart can be so stupid when it, when it comes to so mm-hmm. many things. And we were trying to get down to the bottom of this. Was it yesterday's podcast we were trying to figure this out? Or the day before. Because it's it's amazing that people that are so book smart and and so intelligent can have so many bad ideas that have a lot of obvious un, unintended consequences. And I think the problem is when you're that smart, you never think to consider that you could be wrong. And as soon as you have an idea, you're just like, oh, I must, this must be the best idea ever because I came up with this idea and I'm so smart. And so there's no way that this could be a bad idea, you know, because I'm an intellectual. <laughs> and I'm pig-headed and stubborn. That's how yeah. it's going to get implemented is because I'm going to keep at the same exact thing, even even hoping that that, that uh, stop clock is right twice a day and that somebody recognizes my greatness at midnight and noon. So Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Um, one of the things with the idea channel, I think would be cool. And some, some other ideas like this and then get, get what your thoughts are on it. But I really think that what people are looking for today are, are solutions to problems. And I think a lot of times the free market solution is very complicated, uh, and, or vague, just very vague. And, and it can sound like, well, what are you going to do about X? And my answer is, I'm not going to do anything about X. I'm going to let the free market take care of this and they'll probably, it's probably going to be better off. And people don't like that as a solution. They actually want to, they want to hear we're going to do this. And so your life is going to be better because of this. And these people are going to be controlling this and, and it's going to be good. And so what I think we fall victim to is people end up listening to those who are offering what sounds like a solution to their problem, a specific solution to what their problem is. And so they'll go with whoever is offering the solution. Whereas when we talk about it, we tend to talk about how those solutions are bad ideas or they don't work or they create all these other things. But we are never able to specifically lay out what the society would look like or how this would be fixed by the free market or why exactly your life would be better. What would your day-to-day life look like if we have more of the free market doing this? And so we never really get to lay out that roadmap for people. And uh, I really think a, uh, a solutions channel would be a, would be a good idea <laughs> as well, because I think that's what people are searching for right now is something that sounds like an answer to the problem. Uh, and uh, I, I go back to, again, as I said, it, through the idea channel discussions, the, uh, we've been talking about the same issues, 40, 50 years, even longer we tend to have a great response, but you're right, uh, uh, Nate, in terms of people wanting to do something about it. I'm not gonna sit by idly and let the market fix it because that could take 20 years. 
And uh, and my student's only going to be in school for 18 years, so I can't. I don't have the time to let the, uh, the the market fix that. And even though it might be the right fix 20 years from now, yeah, so difficult. One mm-hmm. thing that I, I was just going to mention you you mentioned that uh, we were talking about unintended consequences and people who are really good on one subject but that are really bad on others. And going back to the whole COVID pandemic thing, we've been dealing example. with it reminds me a lot of uh, this guy named Anthony Fauci uh, who's out there who might be really good on on medicine. I can't remember what what, what do you call his specialty? Infectious disease. Yeah, whatever. I think. Whatever internal, he is. Internal medicine. But I he, believe it's reading papers from yes. journals. Actually, <laughs> I don't I think, think he's treated a patient for 35, 40 years now. Yeah. Um, but he doesn't seem to know anything about economics really whatsoever. And I think that um, I think Rand Paul's done a good job pushing him on that because, mm-hmm. okay, you might be able to say if we all stay in our houses or if we all wear eight masks or mm-hmm. if we all get vaccinated or if we never open any businesses, sure, if your goal is to stop the spread of one specific disease or one specific infection that, that people can get, then you would achieve that goal if everyone just stayed locked in their houses for the rest of their lives, probably. Uh, but what are all of the unintended consequences of that? And I think we've just got one of the most amazing examples of an, of an intellectual in one field deciding that they could solve one specific problem, but not paying attention to any of the other problems that would come up as a result. I have to tell you, your uh, viewers and listeners. So in the last, uh, the month of March, I spent 10 days in Florida and eight days in Texas. And uh, it is amazing because if you tell people that they have a mask mandate, the first response from many is going to be, no, you can't tell me what to do. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yet when I was in Texas, for example, if anybody asked you, oh, can you please put a mask on? The answer was always a very polite yes. Because I think people will do stuff voluntarily. They, they understand, hey, this could be in my best interest. I want to support that business. I want to do something here. I want to hang out with these people. Uh, but that concept with regards to mandate versus let people figure out what's best for themselves first. And back to that the main topic of what we we're speaking of earlier, which is people looking to the government for that solution. Mm-hmm. That, I think that's the biggest loss because when are we going to get rid of the masks? when somebody else tells us to. Yet, if, if we all just decide tomorrow, you know what, I, I don't need one anymore. Um, what's wh- Where's that tipping point? When, when is it the people who just decide, I, I, I think I know what's best for me, or I'm gonna take the chances. Right. I'll, I'll pay the consequence, but I'll take the chance. We took, we talked about on the po- that on the podcast so much is, mm-hmm. you know, that, that you know, we told people pay attention, um, take it seriously, and a mask isn't that hard to wear if you if you wear one you should you should wear one if you can, um, not because it's mandated but because you should if you can. And if you don't want to wear one, then you assume that risk. That's on you. Um, and we but we talked about how um, you know we brought up the uh, the the amount of people who are uh, the increase in starvation that's going to happen from the shutdown of the economy and mm-hmm. everything like that. And we talked about okay, yeah, we may have saved whatever let's say let's say with the government estimates we saved 1.5 million lives because the original estimates was 2 million people dead we mm-hmm. ended up somewhere around 500,000 maybe pushing on 600,000 now um and who knows how accurate that is but let's go with it so let's mm-hmm. say we save 1.4 million lives what over the next 10 years what if we lose 10 million you yeah. know because of what we because of shutting down the economy and you had 40 million people lose their jobs and you know uh, 
a hundred million people are going to starve to death now worldwide because all the economy <laughs> shut down. What's, I, I, I what's think the with the increase, goal? Charlie, with the increase in suicide, drug addiction, and et cetera, they might hit the two million number. It's just two two million different people. Right. Yeah. 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 This didn't die of COVID. It has something else. Yeah. That's so. that's true. Um, to circle back on that last, we just talked about how um. You mentioned that something being mandated, people might say, no, I'm not going to do this because it's mandated. That sounds like you're talking about me. I don't know if you listened to the other day's podcast or not, but when <laughs> someone tells me to do something or I think people are trying to push me to do something, I'm, I'm, maybe it's, I'll say it could be a fault. I'll talk to a psychiatrist about it if everyone wants me to. That's fine. It might be a fault. When someone tells me to do something, I'm way less likely to actually do it. We were just talking about whether or not, uh, you know, we were going to get the vaccine. And honestly, I'm like, well, I, I don't really have any safety issues with the vaccine, but I feel like a lot of people are wanting to force me to get it. And so therefore I want to make the point that I'm not going to get it. <laughs> like that's, that, and that's a, and that's a dangerous thing actually when, you know, if, if the vaccine yeah. is overall best for, for the most mm -hmm. amount of people, and it's the same thing right. with the mask. When I think that there's a government mandate in Davidson County here in Nashville for me to wear a mask, I'm much more upset. But when I go to Wilson County and there isn't a government mandate, but the business has a sign on the door that says to wear a mask. And I know the government didn't force them to do that. They're just doing it for, you know, mm -hmm. PC reasons, social media reasons, whatever right. it is. Um, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm much less upset about it for some reason, because I feel like it's a voluntary choice that I'm making. And then I get to make the choice of what I'm going to do. I mentioned before this so that I'm feeling really sick. I'm actually thinking about going to get a COVID test after we finish up this interview today, because I'm going to go see my mom this weekend. I don't want to get her sick or any of my other family members sick. And that's me making that decision to go get a test. So I decide whether or not I'm going to put anyone in my family at risk or if I'm going to stay at home this weekend. Has and, Fauci come out with any guidance on whether or not that can be distributed or passed along through these microphones and Zoom meetings? Because <laughs> I think I, it, yeah. I think it actually is it, mm -hmm. with today's technology. I think Zoom yeah. might be one of the largest spread uh, problems that we super have. Spreader event, actually. Yeah. <laughs> and again, I you know I, I I'm I'm laughing and joking about some of this stuff here. But again, as I said, you know I was on air travel and you know they mandate the type of mask you have to wear on the plane now to get onto the plane so you can sit down so that they can then ask me can i give you a beverage sir yeah. you know <laughs> because apparently you know if as long as you're eating and drinking there's no covid uh, yeah. that can ever be transmitted i there's it's, some of the stuff is nonsensical and or i the think people that pull down their mask to talk oh well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> or, you have to, or you have to wear the mask to walk into the restaurant like the other day i wore a mask to walk into a restaurant i sat at the table that was right there by the door and so when i walked into the door i had to have a mask on right there but when i when i got three feet lower and three feet over to the right COVID disappeared. then it was okay for me yeah. to not have my mask on anymore and so that yeah. just shows you how much of this is just pure optics that we're dealing with. And again, as I said, it, even if there was some science behind it, the whole fact is as well, you've just made the exception to the rule, if you will. And everybody knows if you've made that exception, then I'm no safer than I was to begin with. Yeah. And, and again, as I said, just back to that concept of when, when do people get to essentially make, it's not when do they get to make the decision. I can make the decision for myself. When will society catch up to Nate, Charlie, and Rob and figure out that that's really what we want to apply to all, all, all facets of life. Well, they will when we keep putting out more fantastic content like this and <laughs> on the Free to Choose network. So uh, I know we're running out of time here, Rob, and we didn't get to talk about probably our favorite subject, uh, which is music. And so <laughs> I wanted to know, 
I wanted yeah. to know, uh, Nate, of course, obviously loves my band way more. Uh, that's our intro song, by the way, is a, you know, a clip from my band growing up. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, oh, you, there you go. What have you been, you know, oh, there I, it I, is. There you go. <laughs> I was wanting to know if, what have you been working on lately, music wise? I, I thought, I thought because you guys have the theme song that I should come up with one for myself on this show. That was sort of the there key. Right? Yes. So yeah. yes. I was going to do the Sanford and Son one, but I was, I was hoping I could come up with a riff here that was, uh, was, uh, was, was good enough. But anyway, the, uh, There we go. Oh, yeah. Just something, just something that I could play whenever I come onto the show that, you know, would give me, you know, so that I've got my own theme song that you guys can record when I get here. So. Rob has entered. I love yeah. it. Yeah. You know, it'd be cool if we could jam sometime, but you know that delay between all of our all of our calls, that's just going to mess up the yeah. whole thing, you know. Completely. So, so it'll yeah. have to be in person. That's the way, to, yeah, that's when the way we'll have Nashville. to do it. So, it'd be awesome. Yeah, definitely hit us up when you're in Nashville sometime. Um, we'll uh, have yeah, to... the cats at my my office, my home office, are freaking out because they wonder why the guitar and amp got brought in here. They're like, oh my gosh, he's moving again. Something's going on. <laughs> cats do that. Oh yeah, yeah. They, know. they freak out. Yeah. I appreciate you getting that thing ready to go for us today, man. If I would have known, I would have brought I would have brought out my amps and yep. we could have had a little mm. jam sesh. Mm. Nowadays, you don't even need an amp anymore. It's so no, weird. It just plug straight in. It's, I guess it's crazy. Yeah. Have you seen all the new recording stuff, Rob? I, I, I have it because I, I don't want to spend any money on it. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> but they don't, they, they, I mean, this happened uh, probably five, what, five or six years ago. Yeah. They yeah. got the quality up uh, digitally mm -hmm. now. So you don't even have to do, use an amp anymore. You can literally just mm -hmm. have a plug in on Pro Tools and it's like just yeah. as good. I don't even it's know. Insane. I mean, I've got a Vox amp and a Backcat amp in my, uh, in my garage and I don't even know if they would go for, for five percent of what I paid for them, because everyone is using all the computer, the Axe Effects is that what it's called now? I think so. That's what everyone uses for their for their uh, for their guitars. And honestly, I we know people that are super like amp. They want the real amp sound. John, you know, wants that mm -hmm. real amp sound. Mm -hmm. And he's even now he's decidable. Axe Effects it literally sounds just like you're using the guitar amp. It's like there's no reason to have a guitar amp if you're going to be playing live, recording anything anymore. People just use the uh, the Axe Effects. So. I've got a bunch of dinosaur amps that we'll have to bring out sometime. And yeah, <laughs> that, I'm still, I don't care what he says. I still want to hear that hum when I turn on the tube. That's right. Warming up. Okay. Yeah, that's, gonna, that's, that's music. How are so. you going to get feedback? You got to have that yeah, feedback. Completely, either, so. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you might get controlled feedback, but not the kind that sounds really good. Yeah, we need exactly. legit feel, uh, feedback. Um, so before we jump off here, tell us and make sure that your your marketing people, the media people aren't going to be upset about not mentioning the, the proper things on this. So we have to make sure that we have all this and we'll put links to everything in there. So every Thursday we put out our podcast and most of them are based on the programs from the idea channel. You can go to free to choose network.org. Again, click on the media button. It drops you down to our broadcast programs, other stuff there. You can find idea channel discussions. Uh, and we hope people enjoy our podcast just as much as I enjoy yours. Thank you so much, man. I, I hope you have a good rest of your day. I hope you get caught up on everything. I know that we're all, we're all real busy these days and we couldn't be more appreciative of you taking the time to come on here and talk to us. Oh, uh, no. Thank you, guys. Truly. All right. Thanks, Rob. Take care. All right. All right before we go any further, I'm going to tell you guys about MasterMyStonks.com. Yes, Charles Chuck Stuck Too Tall Something Thompson and I run 
the Liberty Trading Academy. Been trading for several years now. We worked out all the kinks so you don't have to. All right. So if you're somewhat interested in getting involved in the stock market, then this is the place for you. You can simply type in Master My Stonks, S T O N K S, MasterMyStonks.com. You can use the promo code SAVE20 to save 20% off your first two months. That's 20% off your first two months. That is a crazy deal. We got over 300 videos on there. We start literally from vocabulary words, how to use a trading software, how to read charts, and then we go all the way up to the strategies that we trade on a daily basis. I go live every morning at 8 a.m. Central Time, 30 minutes before the market opens, and we talk about what's moving in the morning, what we're going to be trading when the market opens. I stay live for my first bit of trading in the morning. I'll stay live until about 9.30 Central Time, my time. So you get an hour and a half of live trading from me starting at 8 a.m. Central Time, okay? So if you're interested, maybe you're not. Maybe this doesn't make any sense to you at all. Maybe you're tired of hearing about it. I don't know. But I happen to believe that one of the best solutions for taking care of all the stuff that we talk about on this podcast that can just be bringing you down all the time, I happen to believe that one of those things is actually taking care of your own personal financial situations. You don't have to be dependent on who's going to be in office at what time, pushing what policy. You guys know the thing. All right. So if you can actually learn a new skill that could pay your bills if you hit the right button on time, literally, that's what you got to do in trading. You have a strategy and you just have to hit a button. Make sure you're trading your strategy. Make sure that you're a disciplined human being for a couple hours every single day. Then you could actually start paying your bills like that. Now, that's obviously not a guarantee. That's all going to be dependent on you and whether or not you are managing your risk and whether or not you are being patient and whether or not you're trading your actual strategies that you've tested and that we've tested and that we've shown to everyone. So anyway, you go to MasterMySongs.com. Use the promo code SAVE20. That's all one word. SAVE20. Just do it all in caps. Save two zero to get twenty percent off. Twenty percent off your first two months. Master my stocks. You stay classy. There's a link in the show notes, by the way. And I'm also going to go ahead and tell you guys about the Patreon group. That's Patreon.com/slash Good Morning Liberty. For as little as five dollars a month, you can join in on the live crazy mess that we have going on during every show. Everyone posting crazy gifts, and we're talking back and forth. Honestly, I wouldn't want to do the show without the live group that joins every day. It's hilarious. It's not very PC. I'll go ahead and warn you about that. So if you can handle that, then it's a good group for you. So we got the private ser server where we're all in there talking all the time. We got a memes channel. We're bouncing Liberty ideas back and forth. There's writers in there bouncing writing ideas. We got ideas for Dumb Bleep of the Week, which we do every Friday. So we got members throwing in ideas for Dumb Bleep of the Week. And you get the vote on what the Dumb Bleep of the Week is on Fridays, which is our most popular episode. So if you are interested in actually putting your money where your keyboard is, your keyboard warrioring money towards something that could change the tides of tyranny back towards the shores of... Liberty or something like that. I don't know. That sounded pretty good. 
I don't know. Then go to patreon.com slash goodmorningliberty. And there's other tier levels too. There's a lot of people that pay $15 a month and that money goes towards running advertising on whatever you want, by the way. And not to mention, you get a coffee mug along with your $15 subscription. You get a nice less government, more freedom coffee mug. When you sign up for that, it pays for itself, literally, okay? But all the money from Patreon goes back into advertising. So we'll ask you, what's something that you care about? Do you have a specific article that you want to push? Do you have a specific video you want to push? What is it? And when you say, here's this thing I want to push, then we're going to post it to our social media and we're going to throw your subscription level donation behind that push, that post every single month that you're signed up. Okay, so you are actually getting the word out there to people by signing up on patreon.com slash goodmorningliberty. So if you want to actually put your money where your mouth is, that is the place to do it. Go, I'll see you there, or I'll see you in another time. All right, back to the show. <laughs>